0: We've begun a new sermon series this fall. Removing the mask, exploring the ways in which Jesus gets behind our masks to see who we really are and invites us into transformed relationships. This morning, our text of Scripture comes from the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. It's a story that's familiar to many of us, the story of Martha And Mary, I invite you to listen for God's word. Now as they, the disciples, went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and she asked, Lord, Do you not care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God, as we gather here today, we do so to hear your word. We gather here like Mary to sit at your feet and listen to what you have to say. So quiet within us any voice but your own, that we might hear your word. For we pray in Christ's name, amen. You know, one of the joys of being in ministry is that we often get asked to officiate at weddings, these joyous occasions for families. And I always tell a couple that's planning to marry that there are really two things they have to prepare for before their big day. There's the wedding, but there's also the marriage. And though it demands a great deal of time and planning and orchestration, the wedding actually comes and goes. The marriage is more important, and thus we spend in our premarital sessions much more time focused upon their relationship, talking about their communication and their conflict resolution skills and about their finances and about their families of origin. For some couples, it's not easy to find a balance between the wedding and the marriage. The wedding just takes over. Now, as a former father of the bride, I know that the details of wedding planning can indeed take over, and they require enormous amounts of energy and time, especially on the part of the mother of the bride. I have to tell you, I am so grateful that my wife, Lynn, like Martha didn't leave any detail of hospitality unattended in the three weddings that we hosted for our children. When it comes to wedding planning, give me a Martha over a Mary any day. And if you're happy to be planning a wedding and you intend to hire a wedding coordinator, you'll want to look for somebody who has all the characteristics of a Martha, not Mary somebody who has the ability to coordinate and anticipate and plan and orchestrate others. So here we have this story in the Bible about Jesus in an encounter with Martha Stewart, the proverbial hostess with the mostess here. It wasn't a wedding. It was just a dinner party. And Martha's sister, Mary, Chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teachings and instruction, leaving Martha to do all the work in the kitchen. Now, as best as I can figure it, there were 12 disciples and then Jesus and Martha and Mary and probably their brother Lazarus who was there. So that's at least 16 people for dinner. You ever fixed dinner for 16 people? This is before the time of gas stoves and Kenmore and Cuisinars. It's a big deal. There's a lot of orchestration. Why is Mary just sitting there? Jesus is out on the road, and Martha says, come on over to my house, and I'll fix you the best kosher meal you've ever had. Now, just a few verses preceding this story in Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And Martha arguably is doing precisely what Jesus just said to do in that story. Go and do likewise. In other words, go help the stranger. Take care of those in need. Don't be like those religious officials in the Good Samaritan parable who were concerned about their ritual purity and possible contamination with the world and walked by, need on the other side of the street. Martha took all of that teaching to heart, rolled up her sleeves, began to get to work. Every church needs a Martha. Actually, every church needs hundreds of Marthas. People who roll up their sleeves and are ready to get busy. They keep the church moving. They make things happen. Because of the Marthas in the church, the church budgets get balanced. And the buildings get repaired and cleaned. And there are elements on the communion table. And babies get... Babies get bounced on loving knees in the nursery. Food gets served in the fellowship hall. You see, you don't really appreciate the Marthas until Martha is missing. And then all the Marys of the church begin looking for the keys to lock the doors. Marthas are the energizing bunnies of every organization. This Martha was a live wire. But even live wires need timeout for recharging. So Jesus seems to say, settle down, Martha. Let's talk. Doing is okay. But there's much to be said about doing nothing. About the importance of listening. Mary knows that I'm only here for a short while. I'm passing through here on my way to Jerusalem. I'm passing through from life to death. A few more weeks and I'm out of here for good. Then you'll need the word even more than you need food. So your fresh baked rolls are great Martha, but as they say you cannot live by bread alone. Now, there's a really good chance here that Martha and Mary were both single people. And their brother, too, Lazarus. And you know, sometimes single people don't feel all that comfortable in church. So much of the ministry of churches just kind of feels like it's oriented towards families and couples. But Jesus attracted a lot of people to himself who were single And as far as we know, many of the disciples were single too. So there's a place for people who are single in the church, for those who seek to follow Jesus. Most rabbis would not dare go to a single person's home for a meal, much less waste their time and effort teaching a woman. I mean, let's face it, this is the first century, and the education of women was not a high priority. And even today in the Middle East, there are places that persist with this devastating idea that the education of a woman is a waste of time and money. But look at Jesus here. He makes Martha and Mary disciples. He doesn't spoon-feed them, patronizing them with innocuous religious platitudes. He gives them the truth of the way it is, even though it's ambiguous, even though it's not easily defined, much more easily lived. He simply says, Martha, come out of the kitchen. Listen to me. Learn and follow me. Now, this story in the ancient world empowered women. Women are to receive education at the feet of Jesus and are to be considered disciples just as well. From the earliest days, women have been equal recipients of God's grace and are expected to sit at the feet of Jesus and receive instruction too. But here's the thing. Working for the Lord without worship of the Lord will soon burn you out. Even in the church, we can lose our perspective. Church meetings are okay, but only if they're really connected to what the Lord is up to. A church consultant once asked, Do you want your people sitting around making decisions in a committee meeting or going out and making Christians? So we need occasionally to have some quiet, thoughtful time to examine the many good things we do in the church, but which may distract us from our relationships with the Lord. And San Marino Community Church now has a task force on strategic planning that's seeking to do that very thing. So apparently here, Martha is in danger of losing her perspective on why she's doing what she's doing. This familiar story in the Bible is often something of a condemnation of active and busy lives and an advocacy for more contemplative life, the more reflective life, with less to do and more to consider. And there's a good reason for that shift in the lives of many of us, the shift from human doings to human beings. The familiar mantra often heard in the back of our minds don't just sit there, do something. Ought to be reversed occasionally. Don't just do something, sit there. This is what Mary chose to do that day, and the Lord affirmed that Mary had chosen the better part. Why? Well, because ultimately, life is about more than making a living, we have to forge a life. And life is about more than simply stringing together one task after another, one day after another. Life demands a foundation, direction, commitments, ultimate concerns beyond that which our daily routines are ever going to provide. So though there are innumerable concerns and activities in life which demand our attention rightfully, and they demand devotion, and they demand our passion, they do not demand infinite attention, or unconditional devotion, or ultimate passion. They're important, and often very important to you and me, but they're not ultimately important And therefore, it's Mary who's rewarded for choosing the better option. In the corporate world, you often hear language like, remember to keep the main thing the main thing. But one of the Ten Commandments is simply, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. God commands that we leave one day a week leave our work aside, and receive what only comes as a gift from God. You can't make it, you can't earn it, you just receive it. Sometimes we need to recalibrate our lives to be released from the compulsions and the anxieties that so often drive our behavior. Today we're inundated with worries and distractions. I can't even put gas into my car without a television screen competing for my attention. Our phones keep us connected constantly with beeps and chirps of incoming emails and texts, and social media can absorb every other waking moment of the day. We multitask from sunup to sundown and even well into the night with our smartphones and our iPads next to the bed. We, like Martha, are worried and distracted by many things. So what's the main thing that the story seeks to teach us about the life of faith and the value of sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening for a word from God? We can develop a spiritual discernment To be able to choose between one task and another, between the good and the best. To be able to rightly discern when it's time to do, when it's time to be. When it's time to speak, when it's time to listen. When it's time to receive, when it's time to act. Both are needed and both are required. So this story doesn't mean that we're to retreat from the demands of the world. Neither does it suggest we ought to dismiss all concerns as if there's nothing really worth attempting to do in this life. The balance we must seek is between doing nothing and giving ourselves exclusively and wholeheartedly to that which is merely transitory and impermanent there's nothing ultimate, if there's nothing unconditional, if there's nothing infinite that demands our attention and our loyalty, we will inevitably invest ourselves in something of transitory worth. We may become overly anxious about how things appear to others, about how we're perceived rather than how we actually are. We may see children as an extension of ourselves, and rather than having compassion for our children who are desperately trying to navigate the difficulties of growing up in this world, we sometimes react with anger at them and embarrassment because of the impact on us. When we become ultimately concerned about that which is not of ultimate value, our lives get unbalanced Mary chose the better portion unless there's some place and some time regularly when you sit at the feet of Jesus and simply listen you're likely to become ultimately concerned about things that aren't worthy of that kind of human devotion and sacrifice Jesus intends to free Martha Martha and you and me, from many distractions and worries. So let me conclude with this. John Calvin, book three of the Institutes of the Christian Religion, has this to say about the freedom, the third part of Christian freedom. He writes, Regarding outward things that are themselves indifferent, we are not bound before God by any religious obligation preventing us from sometimes using them and other times not using them indifferently. He writes on when consciences once ensnare themselves, they enter a long, intractable maze, not easy to get out of. If a man begins to doubt whether he may use linen for sheets, shirts, handkerchiefs, and napkins, he will. Afterward, be so uncertain also about hemp. And finally, doubt will even rise over tow. Sounds like Martha Stewart's line of tablecloths or something. He writes on For all those entangled in such doubts, whether they turn, see offensive of conscience everywhere present. To sum up, we see whither this freedom tends, namely that we should use God's gifts for the purposes for which he gave them to us, with no scruple of conscience, no trouble of mind. End quote. No trouble of mind. Wouldn't that be a blessing? In our family, perhaps in yours, the generation before us seems currently very worried about what's going to happen to the stuff when they die. Inheritance. They want us to show a little more interest and resent the fact that we are just a little bit indifferent about what happens to the stuff. Use it. Sell it. Do what you want with it. It's your stuff. Enjoy it. Why spend your final years of this life worrying about what's going to happen to the family home or the cabin or dad's sports car or mom's jewelry? Life is about much more than stuff. And you can avoid a lot of worry and distraction by just treating it indifferently. That's Christian freedom. Life will certainly include many activities, but so too will it include rich, contemplative experiences in which we listen for the voice of God. We commit ourselves again to those values which are of ultimate concern. Regular worship, individually and here in the community of faith, a rich, daily devotional life, it provides a way whereby we keep the penultimate from becoming the ultimate whereby those things of relative value find their proper place in life and we're preventing relative value from becoming ultimate value when life is in balance it frees us from anxiety Focus our concern upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, of ultimate import. And we become recipients of God's grace and mercy. Thanks be to God. Amen.